It's Tuesday, October 10th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Nogut, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, uh, the uh, National League Division Series uh, continued last night, and uh, if you haven't been paying attention to uh, these postseason games so far, uh, you're missing out. So some real exciting baseball last night uh, in Atlanta, uh, a game that uh, the the Braves desperately needed to win. And it looked like for a long time that they were in a, a tough spot uh, until the very end of the game with an exciting finish. And the Braves, the best team in baseball heading into the playoffs, uh, come out and, uh, and, and pull out an exciting uh, come from behind victory. Yeah, Joe, uh, they win at 5-4, late home runs by Travis Denard and uh, and uh, Austin Riley, the seventh and eighth inning, two-run bombs. Uh, Zach Wheeler is throwing a no-hitter for the Phillies through, you know, most of six innings, and uh, kind of gives up the two-run homer to uh, Denard, gets taken out, and then, uh, you know, the Braves come back in uh, even that series. It was, uh, they had to win that game, or you know, they're down 0-2, Going back to Philly. And then uh, later on in the evening, Arizona jumps out to an early lead and then holds on uh, in Los Angeles. Again, uh, the Dodgers, uh, it's the it's the same old story with these guys. Only this time it's it's the the young Arizona Diamondbacks who are, are coming through and and, uh, you know, really putting it to them. Uh, can the Diamondbacks finish off uh, the the Dodgers when they get back home to the desert. They're a team on a roll, Joe. They're 4-0 in the postseason. You know, they swept the wild card round. They're, they've taken two straight from the Dodgers. The Dodgers starters can't get out of the first, you know, the, they can't give them any length. You know, if Kershaw doesn't get out of the first inning in game one, Bobby Miller goes one and two-thirds innings. The guy's throwing 100 miles an hour but can't find a plate. Um they're just, uh, you know, the, uh, the the Diamondbacks look like a team that's hot at the right time, and that is a key to the postseason. Speaking of uh, of hot, of exciting, of thrilling, uh, let's go back to the way that that uh, Atlanta game ended, five uh, four uh, in the ninth. Uh, the the Braves have the lead and. Uh, they're looking to close out the game, and uh, I, I believe Bryce Harper is on first base. Uh, long drive to, to right center field, and Michael Harris, the second, uh, goes up, makes an incredible catch up against the wall, uh, and is able to get up to his feet, throw the ball back into the infield, and they double up uh, Bryce Harper at first base. Uh, it, I, I think it was the first time that a, a postseason game uh, has ended, or at least the first time in a long time, the postseason game has ended on a double play started by the outfield. Uh, just uh, what were your impressions of that play and and just the frustration that Atlanta must be feeling at this point? Or at Philadelphia yeah. must be feeling, Philadelphia must be feeling at this point after having that game basically in their hands. Yeah, because I thought Castellanos, I thought that ball was out, Joe. He hit it, you know, he kind of went down and got it. He, he didn't get, you know, the, a full swing on it, but it was still, the ball was carrying. It was a great catch and a terrible throw into the infield. Uh, <laughs> he, like, the the guy that made the catch, I mean, he overthrew two two cutoff men. And, uh, you know, Harper, by this time, you know, he thought the ball was out or off the fence. He was around second base. He was halfway to third base, Joe. And uh, Austin Meadows, 
or yeah, Austin Riley, I should say, the guy who, you know, hit the two run homer earlier in the game. He, you know, recovered the ball. And I think he, he made the throw to first base to double up, uh, to double up, to make the, the game ending double play. Yeah. And you can't really fault Harper there for, for trying to get as much of a good secondary and, and, and get around the, around second base there. Uh, because if that ball lands, then you're the tying run. You, you're, you're going to score. Yeah. He scores. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, that, that's where he kind of needed to be. But, you know, once that ball does get caught, it, it, that's just what, it's what makes that catch by Harris so important and so exciting to that play is that, you know, it, the, the catch probability I'm sure was, was very low, uh, at that point. And, um, you know, Harper knew that and, uh, that's why he kind of got hung out to dry there. Uh, just, uh, th- those kinds of, it, you go from having at least the tying run on base and maybe getting another shot at trying to drive him in to the game's over. And you had a four run lead and a guy who was dealing on the mound and Zach Wheeler, it, what's the, you know, how devastating a blow can that be to Philadelphia? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, they, you know, they get, they, they do what they had to do. They go into a tough spot in Atlanta they get a you know a split out of the first two game series. You know you're probably kicking yourself on the plane ride home, but you know you know you got what you you needed. You got a win out of there. You split the the first two games, and now you're going back home, which is probably right now, Joe, is the biggest home field advantage in baseball. You know at Citizens Bank Park, that is a crazy place, and the Phillies played great there. Uh, the, the Braves are going to have their hands full to uh, get out of there. You know, with uh, you know, with the series <laughs> to get out of there alive, I would think. Yeah, and you know, if you're the Braves, you you, you need to either you know wrap it up there or, or try to force a game five. I think this series is going five. I think there's no way uh, this series doesn't go five. And I think baseball wants this series to go five because because uh, each one of these games has been uh, sort of uh, exciting and unique in its own way. Uh, the American League series. Uh, both get underway, uh, get or get back to, uh, you know, they, they shift back to their uh, second destinations here. Uh, Houston is at Minnesota at four o'clock uh, with that series tied at one game apiece. Uh, and then later at eight o'clock, uh, the Orioles go to um, Texas uh, on the mound uh, in the, uh, the the Twins and Houston series. Uh, it's going to be Christian Javier against Sonny Gray, a guy who uh, is 1-0 in the postseason and, uh, you know, in a, by a lot of accounts, uh, is, should be a, a, a top-five finisher for Cy Young voting. Yeah, Joe, he goes 8-8 eight and eight in, the, uh, in the regular season, 2.79 ERA. Uh, we saw him a bunch of times against uh, Cleveland. Cleveland did a nice job against Sonny Gray. I mean, he did not look like a Cy Young winner against Cleveland. But, uh, you know, people say he's in the running. Like you said, 1-0 this postseason, 1-2 in his postseason career. Uh, Javier Christian or Christian Javier, 10-5 um, and five with a 4.56 this year. But he's, a, he's, dyna, he's you know, kind of struggled a little bit, been up and down. But uh, he is 4-1 and one in the postseason, Joe. He's money in October. Yeah, and a lot of those uh, uh, Houston pitchers have their uh... – their their postseason uh, records and ERAs, uh, you know, sort of inflated with, uh, you know, their experience uh, over in 
uh, in Texas, uh, in Arlington, uh, Nathan Evaldi, 1-0 with uh, a 1.35 postseason ERA, eight strikeouts in uh, in his uh, only outing so far uh, this postseason, uh, versus Dean Kramer, who will be making his first postseason start. Uh, something to watch is, you know, how will these young uh, – these young Orioles players with their backs basically against the wall at, uh, on the road, uh, you know, come out and, and face the pressure of, uh, you know, an elimination game. Yeah, they're down 0-2. They've got to win. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, Texas is, you know, they're starting to swing to bat, Joe. They've swung to bat well. Uh, you know, I think they, you know, Baltimore has a great offense, but Texas, every time they make a move, Texas has been able to counter it. Uh, Avaldi, you know, kind of an interesting career. I mean, interesting season, Joe. I mean, he's been up, he's been down, but, uh, you know, just last start was dominant in the postseason. So, uh, yeah, and, if, you know, his postseason career, four, five and three, 2.90. He's been there, he's done that. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting matchup. And, uh, you know, the Orioles have no choice, they've got to win. Yeah, the uh, the experience and the you know the ring and everything for Ivaldi uh, just sort of makes him he puts him in a position where he can really come out and attack and 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 we've seen this out of him in the past when he's healthy uh, he can be dominant at times so uh, another guy uh, another uh, you know dark horse sort of candidate for a uh, Cy Young votes uh, at least uh, at some point this past season. Uh, all right, you know that that takes care of previewing the uh, the postseason. Uh, keep uh, keep up with updates on subtext if you uh, if you're uh, able to subscribe. It's three ninety nine a month, uh, and you get updates from myself and from Hoinsey about uh, the postseason, the off season, uh, the managerial search here in Cleveland, uh, everything that we've been uh, following and tracking. Uh, it's uh, if you send a send a text message to two one six two zero eight four three four six. Uh, or uh, go on cleveland.com slash subtext. Uh, you can sign up that way. We'd love to have you as part of the subtext community. Uh, shout out to Scotty Anderson, who's listening. Uh, <laughs> always does. Uh, and a big fan of the subtext uh, community there. Uh, let's uh, let's shift and, and talk a little bit about something we, uh, we didn't mention yesterday, but uh, there have been more uh, managerial candidates for the Guardians uh, sort of coming to light or, or, you know, just trickling out and being released that, that uh, you know, these guys are at least being uh, considered. They're part of that uh, 45 man list of, of candidates of, of potential interviews. And uh, some of these guys uh, could could definitely interview. Some of them uh, are, are still in action and are on teams that we just talked about uh, because uh, they're they're still active in the postseason as members of the coaching staffs. Uh, for some of the, uh, the the remaining teams, uh, one of them uh, will be in Arlington tonight, uh, and a a guy who's very familiar to uh, a lot of the people in the Cleveland organization. Uh, that's Tony Mancellino, uh, the uh, the Baltimore third base coach, who uh, who spent uh, several years uh, in Cleveland's minor league system. Yeah, Joe. I mean, you know, I I would think he's on the list. You know, he's kind of. What you're looking for, uh, what Cleveland is looking for, you would think he's 41. He spent the previous 10 years, you know, at least 10 years in in uh, Cleveland's organization. He's managed from uh, 
Class A Lake County to Class AAA Columbus. He was the minor league field coordinator in 2020 uh, before moving on to uh, Baltimore in 2020 when uh, Terry Francona had to leave the club because of medical issues. Um, you know, Mike Sarbach became the bench coach. Sandy Alomar became the uh, the uh, manager, acting manager, and uh, they called Mancelino in to coach third base. So, you know, he's, he's done just about everything uh, in, in the Cleveland organization. They've got a really good read on him, Joe. And I would think, uh, you know, I would not be surprised if he gets an interview. Yeah, that's that's the thing is if uh, if they're not going to get somebody like uh, a, a, a Craig Council or a Brett Boone or a, a Kevin Cash, you know, guys with managerial experience, guys who could, uh, you know, who are the 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 top kind of desirable candidates if they were available, which none of those three guys might be available at, at any point in this offseason. Uh, Manzalino, the, the he fits the profile of the other sort of direction that this uh, front office could could go with this search. You know, like you said, 41 years old, has experience up and down uh, the the organization, familiar with the organization, has those connections. Um, you know, it, it, it's it, you don't need to ask. You know, who's this guy? Know within the uh, the organization who can speak for him because everybody can speak for him. They've they've all dealt with him and seen him. Um, and, and I do remember that, that 2020 season when he came up with, uh, Sandy, um, managing and, and he was the, uh, the third base coach. That was, uh, just a, another level of, you know, there, there aren't, uh, there are a few faces still familiar in the clubhouse, uh, that, that he knows, you know, he knows who, who some of these guys are, uh, that were with the team at that time. Uh, and and really, I remember just how easy it was for Tito when Manzalino was managing at the AAA level uh, to to pick up the phone and give uh, give him a call and, and talk about guys who were coming up and you know what he needed to know about uh, different young players. Uh, uh, I'm sure that there's a, a comfort level there with uh, Antonetti and with Chernoff as well. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I mean, Manzalino is uh, you know with the last three years. You know, he's co- uh, with the, the Orioles' uh, third base coach. I'm sure he's helped game plan against Cleveland. You know, he knows, you know, their personnel now, probably not as well as he knew them, uh, you know, when he was working in the organization. But I think he's probably familiar with that roster. And, uh, you know, that, that always helps. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, we'll have to see if that if that moves the needle with uh, the Guardians. Well, there you go. If he, if he gets the job, then he's familiar with the AL East. Uh, Maybe the the Guardians are, are more effective against that uh, division as he's as as they move forward. Uh, I I see that there's a, a name on the list uh, of these just these recent candidates. Uh, uh, Clayton McCullough, the uh, the first base coach for the Dodgers. Yeah, he's um, you know he's been there. Uh, he's been in the, uh, the with the Dodgers organization. I sent I believe since uh, you know maybe uh, 2017. Um, you know, uh, he was former uh, former a draft pick by Cleveland, a, a catcher that was in their system for two or three years. Um, so, you know, he's, he's got a lot of experience managed in uh, Toronto's minor league system. Um, you know, then he went to the Dodgers as minor 
minor, minor league field coordinator and joined their big league staff in 2021. So another guy with uh, some Cleveland connections and a, uh, you know, a, you know, really a wide, a wide and varied background, uh, you know, in baseball that, you know, that they're looking for, you know, they, they say, uh, you know, they want to, uh, you know, Chris Antonetti says they want to, you know, they want to, to you know, they want a diverse group of candidates and he certainly uh, fits that bill. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a connection there as well. If, if you're, if you've got Terry Francona, uh, sitting there and not saying that he's advising on any of this, but, uh, Dave Roberts and Terry Francona are, are very close. Uh, player manager, uh, you know, a connection from back in their Boston days. But uh, I, I just think, uh, you know, if if Clayton McCullough is a candidate, then Dave Roberts is uh, is, is speaking on his behalf. It could maybe be telling uh, Antonetti and Chernoff uh, good things about him. Uh, that probably goes a long way because of who Dave Roberts is and, and his connection to Terry Francona. Uh, you know, you, you kind of got to put the names up on the board and, and start connecting the strings and, and, and the dots uh, to, to who knows who as to who the, the, the favorite candidates might be uh, in, in some of these scenarios and, and, you know, just looking behind who, uh, who some of the names are. Uh, I, I believe uh, one of the other guys who's, who's still uh, active in the postseason right now, uh, the bench coach for the Phillies, uh, Mike Kalitri. Yeah, Mike Kalitri's 45. Uh, you know, interesting background, Joe. Uh, from, he was a scout for uh, Cleveland from 2013 through 2017. He was ad- the advanced scouting coordinator for Tampa Bay. He kind of, he was the director of baseball operations for Vanderbilt from 2005 to 2009. You know, so another guy with, uh, you know, kind of an impressive uh, resume, a wide uh, variety of baseball activities. You know, and uh, it seems like uh, he's, you know, he, he joined the Phillies as, you know, their manager of uh, advanced scouting. Uh, so and then became the bench coach in 2022 when Joe Girardi was fired. So, you know, he's kind of worked his way up the ladder, but he's coming at it from a different angle. You know, the scouting, the scouting aspect of it. And, uh, you know, that's 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 interesting. I would think that would pique uh, Antonetti and Chernoff's interest. Yeah, and and for a guy uh, like you said to to have that 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 scouting experience and, and come up through the different levels of these different uh, these different clubs, it, it gives him a, a wide experience in terms of who he who he knows and who he's interacted with. So, uh, you know, it would be interesting to see who his who he would tap for uh, assistant coaches and and be, you know bench coaches and things like that uh as well uh would would be interesting to see uh this uh you know to learn more about Mike Kalitri as as they move forward uh as well uh, uh George Lumbar the bench coach for the Tigers under AJ Hinch uh what do we know about him Yeah uh, he's 47 you know he played 6 years in the big leagues as an outfielder with Atlanta Detroit Tampa Bay and Washington made a like a uh, a cameo appearance with class AAA Columbus for eight games in 2009 uh just finished his third year as uh, Detroit's bench coach uh he, before that he was the Dodgers first base coach for 5 years uh then uh you know went on to be Atlanta's minor league field coordinator um uh, uh Boston's uh minor league outfielder out, outfield coordinator and base running coordinator so another guy you know that's he managed in Boston's system so another guy that uh 
kind of a you know another interesting kind of with a, you know a deep resume. He's got a a, a degree in uh, psychology from the University of Phoenix. So uh, you know uh, that's that's a good degree to have, I would think, if you're going to be a manager. Oh, great! Media sessions would be so great with that guy, right? He'd just be just like sort of like uh, messing with your brain as as he's as you're answering questions. That's uh, that, that's a whole nother level right there. Yeah, I maybe maybe you look at a George Lombard uh, with the, his time with the Tigers over the last three years. Uh, if you're looking for a blueprint to uh, to beat the Tigers and and get ahead of them after they finish uh, in second in the division uh, this past season. Uh, the Tigers aren't going away anytime soon. I think uh, that's a, a young club that's that's on the uh, uh, you know on the way up, and uh, you know if they get their pitching strained out, so you know maybe you look at George Lombard as the guy who's got the uh, the secret sauce to beat the Tigers. But would he have the secret sauce to beat the Twins? Because that's what uh, that's what the Guardians need right now. Uh, so you've got Manzalino, McCullough, Kalitri. Lombard, all his guys who are, uh, you know, maybe rumored to be on that 45-man list. Uh, maybe, uh, I think out of that group, for sure, Manzalino should get a, a chance at an interview, I would think. Uh, but, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen out of there. And, uh, again, uh, they, they might have already done some of these interviews or might have already processed through some of these candidates. We don't know where they are in that search, but the uh, – the, the window and the timeline is, is starting to come into focus. Uh, the longer they wait, the more I think that one of these uh, one of these guys who's who's sort of involved in the postseason right now uh, is is one of their top candidates. So uh, just keep an eye on that. And I think this is the direction that they're going to go if if none of the more experienced managerial candidates becomes available. Yeah, Joe, and, uh, you know, Milwaukee is holding their uh, end-of-the-season uh, press conference today, so we're going to find out about Council probably a little bit more what his plans are. Uh, you know, I just saw, I read something where uh, Kevin Cash says he's very happy in Tampa, so it doesn't look like uh, that, you know, the Kevin Cash scenario might be, uh, you know, I don't know if that's on the back burner now, and if uh, if Cleveland would have to make a trade like that, would they have to make a trade for cash? Would they have to give up somebody like uh, what Boston did with uh, John Farrell in in Toronto? You know, when they mm-hmm. traded for, for him as a manager, but it sounds like Cash is pretty happy in Tampa. But uh, you know, who knows? This is a developing situation, Joe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very fluid, as uh, as Tito was uh, was fond of saying. Uh, it's a, it's a, a fluid situation. All right, honey, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. We'll be back with you again tomorrow, uh, to, to wrap up, uh, two more postseason games and, and, uh, we'll, we'll figure out what else we're going to, uh, break down as we move forward here this off season. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Good deal. 